Welcome to Cane and Rinse. You can play along with Volume 3. The next five issues are Mark of the Ninja, Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 2, The Lost Levels, and Super Mario Brothers 3. Super Monkey Ball, right before we take a couple of weeks break for uh, festivities and a whole new year to start, at which point we will, we will be asking, did someone say near? A lot of us will be, because that's our show, first show of 2014, followed by Hitman Blood Money. You can head to caneandrinse.com for the full schedule, the blog, links to the forum, merchandise stall, Facebook page, Twitter feed, and our YouTube channel. Please do subscribe, review, and rate us on iTunes. That helps us out immensely. If you enjoy the show, it would be great to get your feedback. And if you don't, let us know why. That would be fantastic, too. Um... I am James Carter. Joining me in this issue, uh, is it a bunny? Is it a frog? Whoever he is, he is very bouncy. It's Tony Atkins. Why, hello. (laughs) (laughs) And getting our dragonflies and our butterflies confused. Either way, very uplifting, Sean O'Brien. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) And our very own swarm of bees. However, he does make us go that little bit faster. Darren Foreman. Gondonois, baby. <laughs> okay, our, our histories with the game. What I thought might be nice to do, actually, uh, we, we often talk about how we came to a game. Uh, in this case, because Proteus is an indie game and because it's one of those that picked up a bit of steam around its release and then again when it came out on, on PlayStation uh, fairly recently... Um, I thought it might be interesting to talk about how we actually heard about the game, how we actually became aware of it in the first instance, because it's not a game that had a lot of publicity, a lot of advertising, that kind of thing. Um, For my own part, uh, it was around about when the the beta launched, a bit more than a year ago now, uh, sort of last summer. In 2012, I started seeing, uh, you know, previews of it and people talking about it, and it, it sort of hit my radar in that way. And I ended up picking it up when it came out in very late January, 30th of January this year. Um, so that's how I came to it. Uh, Tony, how about yourself? Um, this is one of those ones where you know Steam is the god of doing the indie game stuff. Um, <laughs> it's you, you see it hit there and the word of mouth and. The, What's really weird, of course, is that there's a you know I'd say hundreds of games that hit every week, but you know, there's there's a ton of stuff that hits all the time, and some of it just gets lost. But this is one that seems to be, or seemed to be at the time, just just sticking out from the crowd. Um, I kind of knew about it thanks to Dear Esther, um, <laughs> because a lot of people were bringing parallels to that, and I had a, a you know an interest in in Dear Esther, so I was kind of like ah another game where we could have a whole conversation. Is it a game? And it's the kind of piqued my interest because of that um i only played it two or three weeks ago around that time mm-hmm. um and i'm sure a conversational issue we have as well is is at which point at which price point do you buy it um mm-hmm. having played dear esther and and paid a lot of money for that i kind of felt a little bit stung by that um you know enjoyed the experience but felt like the, the monetary value kind of you know harmed what I was after that game, so I wasn't so quick to to put down the ten pounds uh, asking price for this. Uh, and it was one I believe it, it hit in the Steam sale or, or something like that, or maybe one the humble humble bumble humble bumble humble bundles. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I can't exactly remember where, but uh, I picked it up and then just uh, you know knew that we're doing the show and, and got round to it. So uh, didn't have that monetary value uh, putting pressure on me to to maybe enjoy yeah. it for sort of something more than what it is. Yeah, yeah, excellent, Sean. How about you? Okay, I first heard about it through uh, David Kanega's uh, involvement with the game because. Uh, he had worked on Dyad, which came out yeah. sometime mm-hmm. earlier last year. And as you guys know, I never shut up about that game. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's one of my favorites. So when I saw that he was involved in another project uh, coming up shortly after that, I was just, I'm, I'm signed on for anything either of those guys do. So, um, But at the same time, like Tony, I didn't pick it up day one because that price point was uh, concerning, I guess, at first. Um, hmm. But I did eventually pick it up through a humble bundle. Yeah. So. Yeah. 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 Cool. And Darren, how about yourself? Now, to be honest, I can't remember exactly how I first heard of it. I believe it was through Twitter. So, uh, just an offhand mention from uh, one of the guys on my feed. Hmm. And uh, so I checked it out and uh, saw what it was all about. And then I actually got in touch with Ed Key hmm. and asked for a preview copy of it because it was still getting uh, developed at the time. And he yep. was nice enough to oblige. Hmm. So if you actually go to the Kin and Rinse um, website, you can read my initial impressions just by typing Proteus into the search box. Yeah. And the thing is, I mean, I wasn't entirely sure what to expect from this game. I mean, I knew that it was a musical adventure kind of um, title, but a lot of uh, indie art of games just don't vibe with me. So I wasn't... Uh, I was kind of anticipating that it would be good, or at least kind of to my tastes, but um, I wasn't entirely sure. And uh, I'll let you know how that uh, turned out later on. <laughs> <laughs> where where sure. do we all stand with um, things like Dear Esther or was it Gone Home? And but we we were I mean I, I felt a little bit with Dear Esther that I it, because that was my kind of first experience of, of something a, a bit of the beaten track like that. Um, I had a lot of feelings to, towards that game that I like I had to resolve whilst playing Dear Esther. I feel like coming to this game in particular because I, the reason I asked that question is that you know a lot of that stuff was now put behind and I was kind of more willing to just be within that environment and, you know, look at the game for what it was. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important that, you know, it could could have been an entirely different reaction if this was my first experience of just, let's say, interactive, yeah. well, even just, yes, interactive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah for sure. It's, yeah, it's interesting to hear you say that, Tony. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that, uh, Tony, because... When we when we uh, recorded a podcast on Dear Esther, I was a lot more positive about it than probably other people were. Uh, and and frankly, it's one of my favourite games I have ever played. Dear Esther, I, I think it's fantastic. Um, monetary value was never an issue for me with Dear Esther. I paid full price. Honestly, can't tell you what that is, and that probably says some things about me. It may be on my spreadsheet somewhere, but <laughs> it it didn't bother me. It wasn't a sticking point. I didn't go on a forum and start typing about it and start typing the value of the game out because yes, I could complete it in an hour, but equally well, I wandered around that island for four hours trying to find everything I could and so it didn't actually matter how much that was because, you know, some single-player campaigns don't last much yeah, longer I mean, than I'm that, I'm not frankly. even referring to monetary value in this instance, just, you know, yeah, the, what, the, the feeling the of game playing was, a sure. game with, you know, the interactive part very much yeah. down to you just, you... So I think the the interesting point for for me in regards sort of swinging it back around to Proteus is I feel this is tonally a massively different game to Dear Esther, even in terms of 
the the ideas behind the gameplay. Um, I have I've heard them referred to as walking games, hiking games, that kind of thing. Mm. And, and yes, I understand mechanically there's similarities, but in in terms of tone and in terms of what the player takes away from it, I think they are quite. To me, they feel quite different, and that's not just about bright colours versus muted tones and photorealism versus something more abstract. There's there's a there is a, a distinction there in terms of what the what the games elicit in me as emotions and, mm. and what I I try to take out of them. Strangely, I actually, I think both games in in that instance both do have narratives. Even you know your, your dislike for going home, Darren. Like it had, <laughs> there's a narrative within there about the time and place of of what you're doing. Uh, and you know, exactly the same here. You know, there was a narrative of Dear Esther of who kind of the person you are and exploring. But even here, the you know, we could, we, I'm sure we will talk about our feelings of you know what we felt the game was. But mm. even at a very basic level, there is a narrative of you, know, you are progressing through seasons. So even, you know that there is a yeah. narrative within itself. Uh, they're not just you know, you're not just standing on the island doing nothing and nothing's happening. Not just a blank canvas. You could stand on the island and do nothing. You could. Still yeah. get music. Well, but to be fair, you'd have to walk to it first. But well, you could stand on the sea if that was in good. the sea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So um, what I wanted, and we've kind of tangentially talked about it. There Sorry. is. Um, it's it's quite difficult to to talk about indie games in and of themselves on their own without reaching out to other indie games. And for some reason, this is more particularly true for me about indie games than than any other mm. uh, type of bigger budget games, um, because. We relate them to other games that are that are similar, or other games that that came out at the same time. Um, in particular, one thing I have a very strong memory of uh, in January, aside from DMC coming out in January, about a week later, there were three pretty well-known, pretty high-profile independent video games all released within one week of one another. I remember that a lot because I picked up Antichamber, I picked up Proteus. Again, two games you could draw a lot of similarities between, but to me are almost polar opposites in terms of the way they play and what they are. Um, how about you guys? Did, did you Do you have any memory of that? I guess you, if you didn't pick it up the week it came out, that may not be strong for you, but to me it really felt like three games that were getting a lot of headlines together and sort of feeding into one another in terms of building up some steam in terms of mindshare, in terms of coverage and uh, I, I, I did press, etc. I did mention it you know, with my blurb coming into the game. It, it's mm. you know, There is a lot of games that, that hit services and a lot that you know some stick and some don't. Um, and as Darren said, you yep. know, this, this was one of those ones that seemed to be you know, infiltrating my Twitter feed, and, and sometimes that's pretty mm. pretty hard for an indie game to do when there's so much noise with what everything else that's going on in the industry. Um, and I and I, I certainly remember Sean talking about it uh, on the forum and bit. So mm. it's one of those ones where I think you know because it is on a slightly different track, it it it, it maybe pushed itself above a lot of stuff around the t- that time. Um, so yeah, I mean. Like any indie game, word of mouth is is how they publicise yeah. this stuff. It, it's their, I mean, that's their bread and butter. You know, they're not they're, they're not on billboards and they're not in front of magazines. You know, they're they're lucky to get onto review um, pages. So you know, the word of mouth and, and Twitter and stuff like that. You know, they're always quoting that stuff. And this one in particular, that you know, they had a, a unique central concept, obviously, and it it just you know pushed through some of those barriers which are, are you know they're unfortunately for other games not to do so uh, as for the other game I don't know I didn't play Antichamber or Skulls or, or Shogun so mm-hmm. yeah I remember those two seemed to be 
the most talked about at the time uh, over Proteus, but I I remember Proteus just sounded more interesting to me because mm. that was the more diver- divisive one. Like everybody was talking up Andy Chamber as if like it was great, and I, I haven't played it mm. or Scarlet Shogun, but they were both talking up those games a lot. But not very many people were talking about Proteus, but when they did, they had really strong reactions, either positive or negative towards mm-hmm. it. And that's that's kind of what yeah. stuck out to me more than just uh, constant high praise. So, and it, it's funny because in this this show, we actually do try to not say, oh, you know, this game similar to this game because it's right, a pointless yeah. analogy if you haven't um, played either <laughs> game. But, you know, right, it's sure. a, it's very easy to yeah. to fall into that trap. But it's Proteus doesn't share like a huge amount of um other games you can compare it to so, so something like drs is it although if you haven't played it it's a bit of a reductive you know redundant statement to make but it, it shares a pretty it can't be unique because there's there's more than one but you know that field is pretty small um so it's it's very easy to talk about that and go home and you know there's a few other i'm sure i'm sure there's actually a bunch of games that None of us have probably heard of that. You know, this mm. the DNA is probably in there, but yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it, it it does push above, I, I guess, the clouds of, of many other things, just because it it's, feels more unique than yeah many other titles. Yeah, yeah. For yeah, me, yeah. is um, I mean, we'll get onto it, I guess, when we get into the gameplay. But for me, the, what I, the most I could ever compare Proteus to another game would be um, <clears throat> Bethesda games. Um, yeah, like Fallout and Skyrim. But I've I, heard a few know, people we'll say Journey that. as well. Yeah, I could. I, I guess you know, there's some yeah. stuff at the end, maybe. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, I mean, Proteus has got such a strong visual identity that I really find it difficult to compare it to a yeah. lot of other games, yeah, just because sure. it reminds me on stuff from the 8-bit era or built, uh, before that, you know, like Amiga games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And when you're lo- looking at stuff like Eat the or Going Home, you know, like, I'm not sure how unique I feel they are because it seems to be stuff that you d- you could possibly do in real life without too much trouble. I mean, like, gone home. I go into my parents' house every t- every day and start raking through their cupboards. That's nothing new. Yeah, and the DRS is a technical powerhouse in, in many respects. Exactly. But, I mean, the thing about yeah. Proteus is that it's going through the world of Proteus isn't something that you can do in everyday life, you know? You can easily go for a walk yeah. in a field. Yeah, sure. But you're not going to be seeing, like... Um, little rabbits jumping away from you and making their own unique noises. Depends how much you're smoking, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Unless you're absolutely shit drunk, that's not going to happen, you know? Uh, yeah, that's very true. And uh, Darren, you have handily brought us round to uh, where I wanted to go next, which is talking about the look and the feel of the game and the aesthetic is is a word that often just is tied str- immediately to visuals, but actually has a lot more to do uh, with, with the feel of a game. And, and it's... Um, its appearance, again for want of a better word, both orally and and visually uh, as they come together. I should at this point say, it sounds ridiculous, but I have a specific reason for saying we are going to talk spoilers. There isn't a narrative to be spoiled as such, but we are going to talk about our interpretations of what we saw in Proteus. The kind of the whole point of the game is the exploration and discovery of what is on this procedurally generated island put in front of you at the beginning of the game. If we talk about what we thought it was to someone who's already played the game, that might sound interesting because we had a different take or the same take as they did. To someone who hasn't played the game, we are going to be preempting your own reactions, and it probably would be better to go in and just have your own reactions to it if. Anything we've talked about thus far sounds interesting. Yeah, and I think the, the thing to realise as well that you know some games are a huge commitment. So if if you're listening to the stars of the show and thinking, well, okay, well, that's 15 hours of my life that I need <laughs> yeah. to, so yeah, it's yeah. I'm going to get back to the show in you know in 10 weeks' time when I finally done it. The Proteus 
even on your first play for probably the longest on your first place the very longest is is what going to take 45 minutes to an hour because you, you push I mean, it an hour yeah uh, essentially probably. you have the day night cycle so it, it will push you through in essentially anyway so yeah it's this conversation would be a lot more interesting for somebody that, that I'm, I'm sure played <laughs> it and i not, not you make your mind up as and when because you know, ultimately things cost money but in this specific t- case, it's not going to be the time barrier that stops you from uh, from wanting to, to try this game if there's something that interests you before we actually get into the spoilery stuff. Um, so, as I said, Darren has has brought us neatly round to the the way this game looks, the way the game sounds. Um, most interestingly possible, possibly to me was when I was reading previews of it, um, Ed Key was talking a lot about wanting it to be an exploration game in a style of a Skyrim. That was a, a particular game he pointed to. So it's it's obviously interesting, Sean, that you you brought up Bethesda games as a, as a point of reference. Um, but another thing that was mentioned was that once David Kanega got involved, um, the actual the game was going to be procedurally generated as it is in terms of both visuals and sound, but it was actually almost going to end up being more of a music creation tool, but through exploration. Um, that that sounds really interesting to me because that's almost the way that I ended up playing mm-hmm. the game, even though you can't really create music. Um, so I, I guess again, just sort of round table for for you guys in terms of the aesthetic, and and I think. I do almost put visuals and 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 music together in in the case of Proteus. Was there anything in particular that that put you off or drew you to it, or you know how did you find that first moment where the game loads and you see the the island sort of surrounded by clouds in the distance? Interestingly, um, I, I, I knew bits about Proteus, but mm-hmm. I hadn't really seen much video from it. You know, you can you get a sense of what the game is from its cover art um, and screenshots. Yeah. But you don't really get a feel for the environment you're walking into. So I was actually quite um, surprised at how much musical content was in there or you know, sound content was there. Um, but aesthetically, I'd, walking in, it was this bright, colourful world um, and seemed like a yeah, a pleasurable place to be in. But the more time you spent within you know, the first your, your first kind of little season run, um, you know, I'd, I'd done a full kind of day-night cycle through there because I was just looking at everything, um, you know, seeing how the trees worked and the the, the birds in the sky and, and just that wonder of, this, you know, exploring that whole... New, in the way that you, if you just got, you know, picked up now and then dropped in an entirely different environment without driving or, you know, it's like getting on a plane and suddenly flying somewhere. Just mm-hmm. It takes you a little while to kind of refocus yourself to, to where you are because it's so different from many other games aesthetically it's it's very much 2D on the, the 3D I mean that, that's exactly what Darren said it, it it's quite like a, a muted kind of Amiga tone to it um, yeah. so you you got these trees the easiest way to explain it is that you've got these trees that are basically 2D kind of pinned together with like a piece of cardboard almost slit, slit together it's, so you got the tree shape paper art style yeah, yeah absolutely um, where you would have two then, cross sections of a tree put at 90 degree angles to kind of create a to create a, a 3d effect but, no matter which angle you're looking yeah, at yeah but what's really weird objects are made in like solid blocks of color as well mm. yeah, yeah but definitely. but what is really strange with that is that as you walk up to the tree 
they, they they kind of almost follow you. So as you're moving <laughs> around the tree, it almost feels like the tree is kind of twisting around with you. So you don't see like these these pointed edges of a piece of cardboard. Essentially, they mm-hmm. kind of look rounded, but at the same time not. And it's a really <laughs> clever old kind of old school trick they used to do in in games back you know back in the day. Um, yeah. So it was fascinating to see it used here. But I mean, the the color was just incredible. Um, yeah, so so few games just like you use a, a full range of color palette, and and here it was in the spring section. Yeah, I mean the thing is, like the minute I started the game up and I saw that island that you were referring to, I just got this mm. massive wave of nostalgia just straight mm. in the face, and I was uh, really quite happy with that. And as I played through it, you know, like just it seems to hit all those nostalgia causes I was saying. But the thing is, like so many games that. Are, leaning towards photorealism or, like, really clever graphical effects, which is all very well and good in its, like, own right. But a lot of the time you'd be as well walk out the window and look outside and see a dog being sick, (laughs) you know? (laughs) It's just, they're aiming for something that you're seeing all the time, and this is not. This is aiming at this fantastical, beautiful world, which can only really exist in someone's imagination and then be painted on a screen or a canvas or something like that, you know? Um, yeah. you're not going to see it just in everyday life and you know I find that striking and I find that really admirable you know hmm. and for me the reason I've been quiet is because it's hard to it's hard to describe how you feel about this game <laughs> and um, yeah. like for me I'm not I don't really go into go out into nature a lot like I'm I'm way more of a city boy and so when the when it starts off and your eyes open and you see the island like that, it just all felt so alien to me, mm. and it felt like I was discovering this world, and that really appealed to me in in, in a way that hasn't that hasn't like hit me in other games because it's always going for realism and other stuff like that. But and even though mm. I'd recognize like that's a tree, that's a bird, that's a uh, flower or whatever you know yeah yeah like for me it's just still just felt so different and the, that feeling of discovery just kind of like overwhelmed me and with the music on top of all that like it just everything felt so weird and alien and it was just kind of like welling up these weird emotions that just like from the very start and that kind of carried throughout the whole game there's a question sean did you chase yeah. rabbits or did you give them their own personal space uh, I chased frogs. I, I don't even remember seeing a rabbit, but oh, I did chase frogs. Yeah. <laughs> I killed so fro- frogs. Frogs and rabbits are, are uh, interchangeable, which is one of the lovely things about this. Because Sean, you're saying that obviously you you felt like your sense of discovery came from the fact that maybe you haven't been out walking, you know, through woods and in hills yeah. and that kind of thing as much as some other people might have been. Um, mm-hmm. But even I think I'm safe in saying, even for people who do spend a lot of time outdoors, you know, in nature, doing all this kind of stuff, going hiking, whatever it might be, it still feels kind of alien, partly mm-hmm. because um, the way the frog bunnies look, it's difficult to tell which they are. Mm-hmm. I heard people referring to frogs, and I thought, well, I've only seen bunnies. Let me go back into the game and try and find them and realise that actually they're the same creature. And because you've got something that would be about the right size for potentially a large frog or a small bunny Mm. hopping, and the sound doesn't necessarily pertain to one animal or the other. It Mm. really is open to interpretation, and what that means is even for someone who is used to walking through a field of rabbits, for instance, it would still feel kind of alien, and there's still that... um, that unknown there as to as as to you know having to put your own spin on it to interpret what's in front of you. A tree's a tree. I think we would all agree that the trees sure. in the game look like trees. But um, 
a really weird man. Yeah, we are, as, you, as you progress through the game, that's not. Yeah, as the seasons change, I mean, the, the environment obviously changes around sure, with you. Yeah. I mean, trees take on a whole different uh, look, as they would, you know, throughout the year. You know, they take a whole different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, if you live in somewhere where the, the trees drop their leaves, but um, yeah, yeah. You know, time you get to winter, there's there's almost like a, a spookiness, a you know, a, a horror yeah, kind of feel to to some of the the elements that you know, they, you know they feel like they're overpowering and looking down on you, which is a very very clever trick you know, from the environment that you've been in before and, and kind of seeing exactly what it is in in these different um, time periods and yeah, it's yeah. A very different look, which is very classy. Yeah. I think one thing that really added to that for me was and and spurred me on to explore and discover was trying to work out what effect I was having on the music. Um, I'd read enough about the game to know that the island was going to be procedurally generated, which um, so it changes every time you you load into a new island, but there's familiar elements there. The music was going to be pretty much entirely procedurally generated, and that's. It's kind of true, but it's more like you can affect the music by the way you where you walk. There's particular places on uh, on the in the landscape that that uh, cause different sounds, and there's particular um, creatures on the island that if you walk towards, um, you will hear them and you can interact with them and cause noises to happen. So you definitely affect the music, and so I ended up. Yeah, I, I was chasing the the bunnies I, I was just walking over to plants to see what would happen and there's the sort of trumpet plants that disappear into the ground during the <laughs> summer scene i think mm-hmm. it's summer yeah. um and and seeing the the dragonflies or butterflies depending upon again your interpretation um just trying to walk around all this stuff and see and and just occasionally stopping dead because a new sound had started playing that i hadn't heard before and trying to work out where it was it just all if if the if the way the game looked and the way it, it it plays didn't bring out a certain sense of exploration and and excite that kind of excitement that goes with that, I think the music really pulls the player into that just by giving another layer of experience that um, that just adds to it. You know, there's all this stuff going on around you that just seems unfamiliar and seems interesting and and inviting in a, in a way. Yeah, I actually kind of confused Ed Key during uh, my correspondence via email because right. I kind of described Proteus as being less about exploration and more about just going for a walk in the countryside. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it is exploration-based because anything that you discover is exploration in itself. Yeah, But for me, like exploration is usually something with an objective, you know? Like in an sure. RPG, you're yeah, looking okay. for a chest yeah. or you're looking for you know, better weapons or equipment. Whereas this was just about soaking in the world that they had given you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think, I, d- I don't think I explained myself too well to him, you know, he seemed kind of unconvinced. <laughs> but uh, No, I get what you mean, exploration has a certain connotation. Maybe that's uh, more specific for you, but but yeah. I think generally you're right, exploration sounds like setting off across the seas to discover a new country or something. Um, whereas the Whereas here... For me, it was kind of exploration, coming over a hill, not knowing what you're going to find next, finding a tower and then turning around and going and finding another one, for example, or or the totems or whatever it might be. Um, so I was kind of exploring in that sense, but I do understand what you mean. It Because it seems like such a friendly environment, it is just like a, a Sunday afternoon yeah, stroll around. I, 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 to me, like a, a walk... You normally have a, a beginning and end. Like if I go for a walk, then I know that I'm heading from here to you know across three or four fields, and, and it leads to that point and how to get back home. If I go for a, 
an exploration, it means I'm walking out the door and, and just going for... Don't know where you're going to go. Yeah, I'm just I'm know, going I mean, for that, that does seem to be exhibition. like, very, like um, the way that you personally interpret the word, because when I'm going for yeah, a walk, yeah. I can easily just go through a field, you know? Like, I live in a fairly rural, rural environment myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah I and mean, uh, just going for a wander, you know? Like, um, a wander's probably maybe, not more for it than either. Maybe, maybe but, it's uh, a, the difference between an adult and a kid. You know, nowadays, like, I kind of like... Oh, thanks, I, I, Dad. No, but, <laughs> no, in, in a way, like, now, if, if we when we go for walks, like, we have a very, like, okay, we want to head to there because there's something at the, the end of that path that we want to get to. Whereas a kid, I mean, I, I grew up in a rural area, and, you know, we, we used to go for about four or five hours and just... And just walk across the road we've never been for, yeah. having the, the faith that we'd you know fi- eventually find a way back home. Um, <laughs> yeah, clearly it worked out. I'm still here, but uh, you know, it, it, it used to come across things all the time and climb trees. And that, to me, that's that's. I mean, you, you can't do that in Proteus. But what is really interesting, and, and this is maybe plays a little bit into the gameplay side of stuff, is that sometimes. I mean, I didn't originally when I played it. I didn't realise it was procedurally generated. So I I, I thought this was a. a you know, I'll play this game again, and I would have the same Fixed experience. Environment, yeah. So, it, to me, it almost felt like things were were being choreographed to me as a player that I should it, like being pushed through. So, so, for instance, frog or rabbit would jump, and you know that catches your eye. So you follow that down. <laughs> you'd follow that down for you know twenty or thirty feet, and then it disappeared yeah, in the there. Top off a cliff. Yeah, well, in my case, yeah, one jumped <laughs> off a cliff into the water. I was kind of feel like I killed the frog, but <laughs> but um. And but it would go there, and then just to the corner of your eye, you'd see something like a stone on top of that, uh, a hill. So you'd well, you know, that's my next focal point. I'd head there, and from that along the way, you'd get distracted by a plant doing some crazy, you know, sound. And you'd look there, and then you'd see the rain starting to to draw in across there, and you just there, almost purely, yeah, yeah. Like like one of the objects is what looks like a rune, you know, like a rune of a house or a castle or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. when you get close to that, there is. Just like everything else in the game, that is sound. Mm, yeah. How did you guys interpret that? Just out of well, curiosity. Uh, for me, like I saw that, like that that structure really sticks out in the entire island and almost yeah. feels kind of like looming over you mm-hmm. and 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 kind of scary. So when you walk up to it and that weird discordant like accordion sound yeah. kind of happens, and it just made me want to walk away from it, just like it would if I was in real life. If I saw like a big scary castle. And I just walked up to it, I would probably just kind of get freaked out and start walking away. Well, especially if a scary sound played in rather loudly (laughs) over the headphones you were wearing at the time. But but this is where I mean, like, on your your first playthrough of the game, it's the most impactful because you don't actually know what these things are. So you see that tower in the distance and you're thinking... Okay, well, that that must be a place where I'm a gamer, so that must be a place yeah. where yeah. I need There'll to be head. Something. There'll you be a princess there, there to save. And yeah. You spend two <laughs> minutes walking around it, and it's making strange noises, and you're thinking, "Well, there's <laughs> there's clearly no door here." It took me a, a while to realise that you could walk into the towers and and teleport essentially right. yeah. to different yeah. parts yeah. of the environment. And that freaked me out the first time. But other, <laughs> I mean, other things you'd maybe it's just the gamer in me. It's it's, it's really strange. You'd you'd see a um, like a totem or something on top <laughs> of the hill. And mm-hmm. I mean, this this is the beauty of of Proteus, and I, I guess it's down to the individual whether they allow themselves to kind of right. you know, sit there and, and you know, drench in these things. But I'd see an object on the hill, and I'd go wander it, and it would be a totem, and I wouldn't just go, "Oh, that's a totem," and then walk away. I'd walk up to it, <laughs> I'd look at it, and you know, there's in some respects that there's almost Minecraft esque kind of graphics and you know a hill over there and yeah, you walk there and I'd look at it for two or three minutes kind of suss what it was within my own mind and then kind of 
and, and with that, so it's not just okay. Well, what what marking are on this token? It would be well, okay. This was on top of the hill, so you tend to if you were you know put a totem on top of the hill, it's it's nine times out of ten it would be some sort of spiritual um, thing. There's a meaning there, and then with that, it, it, these are the moments where Proteus is actually grabs you by you know grabs you by the balls. I guess is when say you're you're near a stone structure or a totem and you're having this kind of well it's clearly a spiritual thing and then the sun starts setting over mm. the distance and you you start seeing the colors start glowing red and you you're like yeah this is absolutely the perfect place to see this event happen mm-hmm. and mm. if i was into the you know the, the worshiping this sun god or whatever this is exactly where i'd put this totem you know the the cloud level comes up around this hill this is above everything you know this is where you would come mm. to worship now once again we had the same conversation with dear esther like this is the interpretations of me. Somebody else may walk yeah, up yeah. to that and go, yeah, it's a lump of wood in the ground and walk <laughs> off. But yeah. you, know, you build your own stuff around that. And if the yeah. sun hadn't been setting at that point, then maybe I would have gone, oh yeah, it's a totem. But mm. like the elements, and that's what I meant. Sometimes it felt less procedural generated, more like you know they, the frog was leading to the flower, which led to the hut, which led mm. to the totem on top of the hill, all in a perfect synchronized time for me to experience yeah. that moment. Now, <laughs> that's not the case, and it's just you know luck of the draw. Um, but luckily, the uh, game is short enough that I, you, I'd yeah. say it isn't. It isn't because I mean, I think I think there's I, again. I don't know how it works. I don't know. It may just be that it's luck, but I feel like. Whenever I followed something to try and find out what it did or why it was making that noise or if it was an animal that was moving or I spotted something on a hill, I'd go to it and there was always something else mm-hmm. within within what would seem to be a reasonable distance that you would have mm. spotted it to draw your eye and go and see. So, uh, you know, my first playthrough, I found the cabin and it wasn't doing anything, <laughs> which was really weird. That was quite unnerving to me as well because the tower, there was that odd noise and I hadn't worked right. out. You could teleport through it at that point. To me, but, by the way. Mm, Sorry, yeah, it sounded kind of like bagpipes to me. The ruin, yes, like yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah on the real no, low, like kind of, yeah, 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 that, yeah. That, low, that low one, just someone just doing a full depression yeah. of that bagpipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's almost like an exhalation with a bagpipe, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like a scuttle, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so yeah, and like the the totem, I think Tony, you. What you interpreted from it, I think, is probably more common than you maybe would expect i know it absolutely feels to each one of us like we ascribe certain um attributes to something like a totem ring on a hill but i think that does naturally say to someone this is a spiritual place Mm. and the fact that in that totem ring certain things happen at different times of the day night cycle is not a coincidence that a lot of people probably have some kind of strange moment happen when they're in the totem because actually strange things do happen when you're in the totem mm. um, even and- even if it was in real life i think one of those places um yeah it's like going to stonehenge but you know if, if you just go to any kind of place where it feels like it's been set up for that in particular it's yeah. like walking into a church you, you know even if you don't believe in uh, you know the the religion that you the place that you're in there's that feeling around you like you should yeah. at least show respect to, to where you're and it, yeah, it's, because, it's an odd because one other because people believe like, oh, that or yeah why yeah. am I showing respect for something that I have no affinity to uh, mm. yet at the same yeah. time you you feel like there is this weird presence there it's it's quite an odd one yeah yeah definitely um, 
what we have just been saying is kind of, I think, fairly nicely summed up in uh, a, a forum post we had um, from Insert Coins. Uh, Darren, I wonder if you could just uh, read through that one. It's a bit of a long one. I did edit it down a little bit just for the sake of time. Uh, you can read the full post on, on our forums, obviously. Uh, but Darren, yeah, if you would be so kind. No problem. Back in the era of the Atari 2600 and Intellivision, technical limitations forced games to rely on very simple graphics to represent the world that the designers were trying to build. Designers set at creating dungeons, monsters, sprawling caves, jungles, battlefields, oceans, and the distant reaches of space, trusting their audiences to read between the lines and fill in the simple images on screen with the boundless reaches of their imaginations. As time passed, technical limitations lessened, and games have been able to depict more photorealistic worlds. Even games that make a point of being purposely minimalistic, like sound shapes and patapon, are crisp and beautifully animated. What has been lost, though, is the sense of subjectivity. Even in the simplest graphical presentation, like the minimalist limbo, the spider is clearly, clearly a spider, and the boy is clearly a boy. This is far removed from the early days of video games when a ship could be a turtle, a tank, a treasure chest, or a god. It could be something different to everybody, and the story being told was truly the personal story of the player perceiving it. Proteus is graphically modelled after these older video games, bringing colourful, blocky, harder to turn shapes into a 3D environment. It rides the line between familiarity and obscurity brilliantly, modelling objects that are unmistakably trees, cabins and stars, but mixing in many sights and sounds so strange and unknowable that it reawakens a youthful sense of wonder and discovery that most games have difficulty inspiring. Proteus is a feeling of curiosity for what is right over the next hill, and the assurance that whatever it is, it will be safe and beautiful. Proteus is a tune poem of a game that connects the player to nature through the counterintuitive root of abstract artifice, and that is the enigma at Proteus's core. How does this game, so unashamedly artificial, Capture the spirit of nature so much better than those that go to painstaking lengths to make their world look exactly like the real thing. Proteus is imagination. It is, in equal parts, what is on screen and what is not. Well, we might as well go high. Yep. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. <laughs> and. <laughs> I think I think it's worth pointing out that we have several times said that, that some of Intercoin's uh, forum posts have been. In absolutely in keeping with what at least a couple of the people on the um, on the 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 panel as yeah. it were uh, on the show um, feel write, and I get him to write my material, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> and he he does have a wonderful turn of phrase there in terms of describing Proteus, and I think it does in terms of aesthetics, in terms of maybe the intention behind. Um, Proteus's design, it does kind of speak to a lot of what we've been saying and summarise quite, I think, quite nicely uh, what we've been talking about. Um, one thing we, we've touched on but we haven't really got into the nitty-gritty of yet is the way the game actually plays, and I think there is a reason for that, but Darren, I know you're you're a guy who... When I think of you, I don't think of a game like Proteus particularly necessarily appealing to you. And I, I mean no disparagement by that, but just that when I think of you, I think of particularly technically quite complex games to play in terms of controls and in terms of mechanics. Um, I think of those being the games that you tend to flock to perhaps more than something like Proteus, which I see as being quite simple in terms of controls and that kind of thing. So I wondered 
for you, wh- how you felt about the way you interacted with Proteus in terms of the direct getting hands-on with the game, as it were? See, here's the thing. I mean, hmm. as you're saying, like, I do kind of come across as like um, being after technical games and games that are often offering players more options. Hmm. But more than that, like, I'm looking for that in games that are established genres, you know, that can set them apart from other titles in the same genre. But another thing about me is that I look for interesting games. And you wouldn't think that, because a lot of games that I think might be interesting, I tend to come away from really unsatisfied by. And that's not something, not a problem that I had with Proteus, you know? There's no uh, pretentiousness to it. It does exactly what it says on the tin. You're just going for a wonder, you know? Taking a look Mm. around. And it doesn't need any kind of um, awkward mechanics or uh, even complex mechanics, you know. All you need to be able to do is wander around, look at the world that's unfolding be- uh, before your eyes. And to be honest, I think that it could be interesting to see what could happen if you were able to do something even incredibly basic. You know, just like lie down and look at the sun. You know, sit down and like <laughs> rabbits might flock to you. Um, or frogs, if you think they're frogs. <laughs> or even just get up and like approach one of these rabbit frogs and then stuff it in a sack and then write the word friend in the sack and then you get a friend. <laughs> you know, I mean, but the thing is, I mean, it doesn't need that, you know. it's mm-hmm. The game that it is is perfectly complete. I had no problems with what it's uh, advertisers given you compared to what it actually gave you. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, Sean and Tony, uh, how did you guys feel... Obviously, the game starts you off. You're stood in the middle of the sea, looking at an island, which is how I uh, spend most of my time. Which is, which is for most of us how we wake up, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But at that point, there is almost no. In fact, there's pretty much entirely no instruction in the game, unless you seek it out. There is a there's a menu screen, uh, a title screen, and it's actually quite difficult to find the menu screen on the PC version. what you would assume would be the key to go to the menu is the escape key, which actually takes you out of the game. Um, so there's very little instruction, no tutorial whatsoever, very little um, text or voiceover, no text or voiceover, basically, to tell you what to do. So how did you go from standing in the middle of the sea to um, one enjoying what well. you were enjoying? Further kind of yeah. um, depicting the fact that you've woken up after a massive bender of a night out, did anyone notice that you actually can't move in any direction but yeah, towards the island? you can only go forward, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's also um, the way that there's no tutorial or any text on screen is mm. kind of relates to just the philosophy of the game overall and the, the ethos of just discovery. Like, you discover, even if it's just you discover that you press forward to walk forward, you know, like that's mm-hmm. part of the discovery. You press X to sit down, you know, all of this stuff is kind of feels like it's it's very deliberate that they don't tell you how to do it because you'll figure it out on your own you will discover it yeah how it's meant to be found so i, I like that personally and and yeah. it didn't bother me that there wasn't any more complex than that because it didn't really need to be you know yeah. judge a game by its own merits kind of thing yeah and i mean yeah. on top of that it's a game that pretty much anyone can play because of those reasons yeah. like you could get this to a child or an old pensioner and you know it unless they can't see the screen you know they're going to be able to walk around and <laughs> yeah this is, and I mean that's where I I think some of the Minecraft comparisons can come in. I mean, you, to me, like once again, yeah, I'm older, so I feel like I I need a set thing for me to do. And suddenly, as a gamer, we've had that for for so many years. Um, yet you give you know a child Minecraft, and you know they'll 
build a bench and then go off and build something else and then something they else. They have a trailer Minecraft and they'll have a bench for a day. But do you, <laughs> you, you know, they play Minecraft yeah. and they'll have a bench for a <laughs> But do you, do you know, like kids' imaginations is that they don't necessarily need to finish a task. They'll, they'll start something. Like I, if I started building a house, I'd build a house and, and you know, I'd need to, to get the roof and the chimney and everything on it. Where a kid would get halfway through and go, oh, I'm a boiler building the house and going over here. And to me, you're like, oh my God, they can't. <laughs> and, and I feel like if you gave this to a child like they they would spend the time just exploring and go oh like there's a bunny and let's follow the bunny and and almost be disappointed once the night cycle came around because you know they, they were enjoying just being within that environment law daddy i found a body yeah <laughs> but but from my experience um coming into it uh like i, I honestly think the the best time you can have at it is the first time you, you set foot on the island because you mm-hmm. don't really understand it, you, you feel like maybe there is a little yeah. bit more to it um you certainly don't know how to progress so i i mean i was even um i didn't know about the season so i was just wandering i was looking at stuff <laughs> um you know night started to fall and i i noticed a lot of the, the kind of the white fireflies particles, yeah. particles yeah. whatever they may be um and so now that's that's pretty but because i didn't realize that they you know that was the, you know there were hints for the progression of where i need to be mm. i spent a long time in that night cycle just walking yeah. around and fit and, and kind of feeling lost because i was like well i can't see anything all i can mm-hmm. see is a big mountain in the background i'm gonna head there um because mm-hmm. now it's you know it's completely dark on the ground and i was bumping into things and i got to the mountain <laughs> and i looked down the mountain if it was a glow over there I'll, you know i'll head there like once you've you've done that the first time you know that's that's the clicking point you you know and you you realize it progresses you through to the next season and you have a indication of what you need to be doing but your absolute first experience of this game is mm-hmm. it's it's hard to ever recapture because then I, I really was just out in the wilderness walking about yeah. um not knowing exactly what anything was you i mean i played this game probably half a dozen times now um and like now i know all the clues like it, there's there's stones that lead you to those to that circle to progress. If you walk yep. near the stones, they go gung gung. <laughs> and but that first time, I I remember seeing those stones. I walked into it. It made a noise. I went, huh? That stone made a noise. Yeah. And kind of like yeah. nothing clicked there. <laughs> so there's there's signposting everywhere where you, where you need to go. But I guess if if once again if you're in the wilderness, you don't you don't necessarily pick up on that. So I think yeah. my first first experience of this game was the most magical because when I went into that circle for the first time, which progressed from spring to ultimately to summer, and then you go from summer to autumn to from autumn to winter, mm-hmm. um, it, that, the whole magical element of, of that yeah. that combination of, oh, okay, well, I have no idea what's going on here <laughs> in front of me, yeah. and now the screen's gone white, and so am I in the same like what just happened and suddenly the sun is there and it's blazing and there's a different light filter on the screen and mm. there's like a haziness or everything so oh i i see i was in spring and now <laughs> now this is in summer and yeah. then even in, in that time i i wandered around a lot more not really thinking that yeah you know, i was just thinking well that that was that and then once again you know, and then once you get to autumn you're like okay i, I, I get this now mm. um so it's it's hard to recapture that um, experience, you know, once you, you've gone through the game once. Hmm. I didn't even know um, that there was an ending the first time I played mm. it. Like, I just kind of... <laughs> Thought you'd uh, go uh, through, yeah. Yeah, I just walked through, like you were saying, like, I didn't pay attention to the obvious signpostings that were happening to you go here to progress to the next whatever. I didn't even know there was a progression thing. Like yeah. like you, I didn't know there was a seasons thing, and I went on Twitter, and I was like, hey, I really like <laughs> Twitter a lot, yeah. but I don't even know what I'm doing. 
and I remember uh, Josh and Liam were saying, "Oh yeah, there's did you get even get to summer?" And I was like, "Oh, what is the summer?" <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think for me, the first thing that I first thing that struck me when I saw the island, aside from being knee deep in in seawater, although by uh, at that far distance, you'd expect it to be far more than knee deep, but still, um, was first of all, yeah, it, it's afterwards thinking back on it it's the little things like well first of all whether you're using keyboard and mouse or whether you're using a, an xbox controller or indeed a, a playstation controller on on ps3 um there is an inherent understanding there there is a language of gaming that allows a game like proteus to have zero instruction whatsoever mm-hmm. it's the knowledge that when it when someone who has played a video game basically since Doom, picks up a, a controller or, or sits with a mouse and keyboard, they're going to understand the um, the sort of dual control of movement and camera. Um, and so that I immediately noticed and started to take notice of the fact that it was relying upon our understanding of how to explore an environment and how to to, um, to play a game in order to give us this discovery. It, do, it does have a kind of... It's a very minimal, but a baseline level of understanding that's kind of required. Um, and then it, it, only on second playthrough did I notice stuff like not being able to go any direction but towards the island first time around. Now, if you leave the island again into the sea, have at it. You go any direction you want, keep going until the sun sets and then rises again there is no end to it but there are certain restrictions placed on the on the rules at certain particular points in order to help the player understand what the game is about like restricting the movement until you actually get to the island for the first time like um the so the day night cycle continues whether or not you move the the seasons forward but the first time you step into that stone circle it forces the season change, whereas mm-hmm. subsequently um, in uh, summer to autumn and autumn to winter, if you step into the stone circle but not into the circle of light or fireflies or particles that is in the middle, it will speed up time, but it won't actually move the seasons forward. did not know that. Yeah, no. so there's stuff like that where the first time it forces that season change so that even if a player stumbles into that stone <clears> circle and doesn't really know what's going on, that season change happens irrespective of whether they then immediately leave so the stone so circle. So can you, in in that sense, if you were just mm. really playing the game for like an authentic experience, can yeah. you just be in spring and then just stand around not going into the circle and I mean what is the transition to, to when it gets to summer is it are we talking like two three four months in, in real time or is it you know half, <laughs> well, a, half a dozen days in, in the game time or you, does it not happen at all do you need to progress through you that you have to go into that stone circle to progress uh, the seasons okay. yeah um, it was a weird thing I, I because during that first night time I spotted the I'd gone up to a mountaintop and I spotted the particles sort of swirling around the stone circle, so went there and moved the seasons forward. From then on, I felt this compulsion as late as I let it get into the night. I could see the moon coming down towards the horizon. I felt compelled to go and trigger the particles to move the seasons forward before the night ended. So I never actually found out that you could just not do that and have the sunrise again and have another day. And it was only when I went back to it just this last week that I thought that's something I must check because I'd started to realise there were these kind of hidden it's not even a hidden aspect but just other ways to think about playing the game in terms of 
just because you have the ability to move the seasons forward, almost the inverse of Sean, in that I'd realised I could move the seasons forward and so didn't actually find out what happened if I didn't. Um, so yeah, there are there are some interesting ways of funneling players towards these certain points to make sure that certain things happen. They had a really weird way of funneling me towards these uh, points of light as well. Yeah. The, the thing that got me to go there wasn't... Mm. Um, any of the visual clues or anything like that mm. it was the fact that it looks bloody cold at night <laughs> <laughs> there is something about the sky that is just this kind of like brilliant blue and then you've got this perfect white moon shining down mm. it's one yeah. of the very few games that has ever conveyed the night's chill just through that uh, yeah, most basic visual information you know I, yeah. I tell you what, um, you know, I, I have done a fair bit of walking to my time. And one of my favourite places is is you know going to um, to Scotland and going up the Kingalms and bits like that. Um, and there's something very special, and this can happen in many other places. But waking up in a really chilly morning, always go in the winter, mm-hmm. and you have got the mist setting there, and you, and you go for a walk in that, and the, you know it's dead, deadly silent, and there's a, almost like a pressure in the air. It's very hard to describe, but there's there's like this pressure from the mist being out in the air. And certainly if you ever go on, in snow, there's um like snow, it's, it's quite dense underfoot. So you, you almost feel like it, there's a pressure of it almost pulling you back in into the snow. Mm. Um, the, the winter levels in Proteus absolutely capture that feeling <laughs> to a T. It was scarily um, lifelike in, in that regards walking through some of those misty areas was, was I felt like there was this weird just tension and pressure in the air and it in some respects with the, the trees being you know no leaves on the trees it, it felt quite spooky like I shouldn't I shouldn't be disturbing the peace of, of winter mm. at this point it, it really odd just uh, and you know once again you know in in the summer when the rain comes a completely different feeling it feels like there's this refreshing water that that is you know drifting over the top of you and it it feels because it's making sound as it drops it feels like a pleasure to be in rather than you know a, a slightly more scarier uh, situation to be in or you know in real life it starts raining oh my god I'm gonna get out of this as fast as possible but yeah. um yeah. yeah and like darren says it, it conveys those those emotions and feelings with the most you know smallest graphical techniques um it, you know it, yeah. <laughs> extremely and i, I it's the minimalist approach that does it um i'm sure because if you try to to animate mist to a perfect um yeah vortexes and stuff going in it then you yeah, know, yeah you'd probably lose some of the just the, the natural state of it just being dense well and, and likewise the fact that the only stuff that's on the island is the stuff that makes us feel the way we feel about it so for me it wasn't so much the chill at at night although I absolutely understand what you mean about that Darren um it was when it first turned to summer and I looked at the sun and I could yeah yeah you just feel it It feels oppressive almost you know it feels like it's beating down on you um there was something about the sun that reminded me of the world west that kind of stylized uh, depiction yeah 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 it's got the uh, the jaggies isn't it in the spring it's just a round glow yeah the way in the sun, Again, yeah, it's almost like a Teletubby sun. It's, it's kind yeah, of <laughs> like, like the way a child would draw the sun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. To to make you understand um, that it's a very strong sun and it's a bit bigger in the sky, etc. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, the the other thing we've talked about quite a lot is the procedural content in the game. Um, I've actually listed some of the key landmarks and creatures that are on the island as far as the creatures go they're kind of always there 
in particular seasons sometimes some of them only at night like the um uh, the owl for example the chickens are in spring i think possibly summer as well crabs are very definitely visible in summer um and dragonflies too but the actual landmarks it's kind of difficult to know how many of the different types of landmarks there are because it depends upon the island that's been generated for you. Sometimes there will be one or two towers. I think there has to be two so you can teleport between them. Um, but sometimes there will be more than that, quite a number more, four or five towers, I think, up to. Um, I just wondered for you guys... How did you feel about the procedural content? I know Tony, you've said it was the first time you played it that was most impactful. Did that? Did the fact that you found out it was procedurally generated? Did that? Would that have made you want to go back more? Did it not really make much difference? Um, I mean, it, it, it's not like they're reinventing the canvas every time. No. That they're, you know, there's a the look to Proteus, and and you know, it, the la- what really what happens is the landscape changes. So, hmm. you, you know, some places may be you know relatively flat. Other times you may have two or three really big mountains. Other times it'd be really hilly, um, and then you know, so you have the odd population of towers in there. Maybe there might be a house that spawned from hmm. from nowhere, and that stuff is just you know, it's it's there to explore. I think I was more interested um, in how the the terrain. Uh, varied in, in many respects the same way as you come into minecraft like you can load up a map and go yeah that doesn't really suit my taste of what i want you know <laughs> my environment i want to yeah. be in so you, you you know regenerate another one and you think oh yeah that mountain there is perfect backdrop for what i want to to design and so it's just yeah i mean i there was a fantastic one i had where uh, i spawned in the sea and the only thing i could see was just this huge mountain in front of me so i couldn't there was no land mass behind it <laughs> so it just looked like this like that was what i was to you know it was just going to be this you know whatever eight by eight island kind of like just made out of this huge rock and <laughs> you know you have to go forward and you have to climb as so i climbed to the very top and then i looked down from that and then this is this massive more flat ground probably the most flat i've ever seen the rest of the game just mm. below it and it's like this is one great big focal point and you had to go at the top and that that was really interesting and my first experience that the game you know was a mixture of everything um i don't know if that was on purpose but um maybe this the second time would be really like if you just come to this mountain first i'm really what the hell um <laughs> so i mean interesting yes yeah, so the the problem i have is that as anybody you're always looking for for deeper meanings with stuff within games um certainly mm. when it you know it is a blank canvas <laughs> but you know it's, it's like the towers and stuff like yeah. you know, they're there and obviously you can walk between them but you you can't help ask you know what the hell are they, what the hell are you? and and same as the, the the wood hut and you're thinking well you know is there a woodsman here somewhere it can it will there be somebody else within this environment um and I mean, that's the difficult thing about this game, isn't it? It's, you know, they leave that stuff completely ambiguous. So, I mean, it's always fascinated me as and when it, it populated the world with more humanoid structures, um, mm. just because I, I never really got the grasp of what the game was trying to say or whether it was trying to say anything and whether it was just messing me as a player. So I'm not too sure whether that answers your question about the environment. Um, Darren, Sean, how about you guys? Did Did procedurally generated content kind of sounds like a back of the box sort of mm. bullet point almost um 
how about for you guys? Did it did it make a meaningful difference to you the fact that the the game was potentially slightly different every time you played it? It's difficult to tell just how different it would have been if than if um, Erki and Dave Kanaga had kind of got together and you know designed this world that would be exactly the way they wanted to see it, so that you'd mm-hmm. be able to approach it in the ways that they could foresee. And mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously, kind of like design the game with the player in mind because yeah. Players will uh, pick up on visual cues and kind of like start doing things that the designers want them to do, assuming mm-hmm. that it's been designed that way to a reasonably skilled degree. Um, the thing about being procedurally generated is that can't happen. And yeah. the fact that it re-changes every time that you jump in, it's difficult to tell just how much an impact that had on me personally, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Like, every time that I went in, it would be there would be slight differences, but as Tony was saying, it's very often you'll see the same kind of things cropping up. It's just mm. that they're in different configurations, mm. um, yeah. different land masses, you're in different areas. Um, and the, the the best times that it actually worked um, being procedurally generated is when there is a crop of these objects grouped together and that you can play with the music just by running up to them very quickly and jumping between them. Mm-hmm. Um, there was times when the procedural generation would um, result in areas that didn't have that, and I didn't think that those had quite the same uh, impact, you know. So it's it's difficult to tell just how good they could have made it if it had been designed, you know, because I think they could have done a cracking job. Um, mm-hmm. But the procedural generation does help keep things fresh on a very basic level, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it keeps the sense of discovery new, but you, for me anyway, like every time I found it, found those things again, I still got that same feeling I did the first time I played it. So yeah, yeah. no, it's a, it's interesting to hear because because um, obviously Tony, you're saying that for for you, once you'd found those things, it didn't really matter if they were in a different place slightly or you know turned around or whatever. Um, you'd still already seen that. Whereas Sean, for you, it's almost kind of the opposite. The fact that everything was slightly different configuration meant that you still had that feeling of not knowing what was coming over the next hill or you know around a group of I, trees. I, I guess kind of, kind of what I I'm referring to like if if those mm. towers i mean they they always you know i'm thinking the, the ones that look like broken building yeah, yeah, castles yeah. Yeah. Mm. Like, they always looked like that so if they procedurally generated those castles oh, to, okay. so to suddenly have you know a, 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 i don't know be twice three times the size um like then then I, I may have been drawn so i found myself more engaged in the environment but not necessarily the human structures because i felt like i once explored okay. one that like I, I knew what every side of that that building was yeah. kind of it's, yeah. Yeah. it's hard that's to explain yeah, okay. that's, that's the thing yeah. I mean you just reminded me on a point that I wanted to make which is that mm. even though it is coming up with new islands every time there's never massive variations between them and I mean like no yeah as Tony was saying like these uh, big uh, like bigger buildings or bigger objects smaller objects but you'll never go into the the game world and just be confronted with like a sheer ravine yeah you know there'll be, <laughs> never be a steep drop um, it's always like uh, in this kind of gradients, and um, I just think it could have added some uh, variety to every time that you visit these islands. If things could just be that drastically different every time you went in, or, or even just um, you know, fair enough, keep your game structures as as it is now um, on the the player's first playthrough. But yeah, you you have the the save file, you know what they're doing. Um, it would be nice maybe just that the next time you go in and it's just the dead of winter. Um, and not you know starting from the spirit, just something mm. entirely. So when you first enter that island, you're like, oh, this is <laughs> like I really can't wait until it gets 
we get winter over with because you know this is quite <laughs> quite a, you know dense and depressing area. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying that like if you walk, walk through the snow and it starts snowing, it's a, a magical scene. But do you know, just just <laughs> yeah, something yeah, no, um, you know, every time you start, you, you know, ultimately for a game that essentially people say it has no game, that there, there is elements to this this game where it has a structure where you know you you move through seasons. So you know there is a part to it that is very much it will do the same thing every time. Um, yeah, yeah. So with that, I think they they could have played that stuff a bit more, and also some of the structural stuff. I think you know procedurally generated to me means that you know everything is procedurally generated. So you know maybe make yeah. a really large tree out of nowhere, or <laughs> you know make a, or a tree made up of many trees. But you know, it's just <laughs> that completely change. Yeah. Yeah, so sure. it's completely change something which you you hadn't seen before, or make something really rare where you know it's a, a complete. You know, roll dice. It's not just the land that changes. Make complete yeah, it's roll not, it's dice. It's not just moving pieces around a board. Yeah. In particular, it's the, the pieces themselves change. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, that's I that's the problem. Yeah. The, the game is short enough that you can play it multiple times, and yeah. you know, explore different feelings and whatnot as you, as you wander through it. But I don't think there's an there's enough content that changes a procedure generation to make you you know every time you go in go you know the look of wonder of what what am I going to find? It's more of a case of okay, mm-hmm. well, how is it? Changed from the last. Hence, hence the first one where I was faced with a, a cliff face rather than a, you know, the, the kind of a landscape in front of me. It was it was very different from yeah. anything I'd seen before, and was huh. mm-hmm. and ultimately beyond that, it it, you know, it wasn't just a mountain. But it would have been interesting if it, if it was just a mountain with a maybe a crop circle down the bottom, uh, <laughs> and just to see how that would feel. Um, or, but, or what would have happened if you if you had an island generated that didn't have the stone circle in it? Yeah, and just the stand there in the spring. Yeah, just <laughs> just something like that to to change it. But I think it's important the first time it is your first playthrough that yes. you have that you, you have know, a, a set progression. But, yeah, a, a certain number of the pieces on the board that you can yeah, yeah make sense of. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. At, at this point, uh, another post from the forum that I thought fitted quite well here. Sean, would you like to take this one? Sure. This is from Worry Forty Two. He says, "I think Proteus is very interesting. Possibly the most non-committal thing you can say about a game, both commending and condemning. But that's about all I really been able to think of it. It's wonderful to look at and walk around in, but it has about as much gameplay as the Half-Life opening sequence. I think it's a bad game and a good painting. Interesting." Which brings me to what I finally realized in this last week. Proteus is a 3D painting. I've been trying to think of what to call it for months now. Game just doesn't fit right at all, and experience is too wankery for my taste. But a painting, a work of art that you can inspect every inch of at your own leisure, fits the bill almost perfectly. Imagine if the various locations around the island at their various times of day and year were in an art gallery, with accompanying audio tracks playing. You look at each painting, absorb what is happening in it, then move on to seeing the nighttime piece. Then it's autumn, then winter, and so on. Proteus is that, only given proper form in a 3D world that you can walk around in. The visuals and audio, and how you interact with them, are as lovingly crafted as most games, but unlike just about every other video game, whose objective is either to beat your opponent, the computer, a team, or level designers in a test of skill, or experience the story through a series of cutscenes, the point of Proteus is to just sit and absorb it for an hour or so. And I find that, well... Interesting. Um, round about the time Proteus came out, I had an interesting um, discussion on the forum. Um, I'm at the time I was much more, um, I guess, inebriated. 
<laughs> much more able to say what I meant. Certainly, um, <laughs> I, I was I was much more against the notion of not calling something like Proteus or Dear Esther a game because it doesn't have a notion of competition or or uh, an objective per se um, in it. Um, to, to the point of having a discussion with with Roy in particular, and I think another couple of people on the forums um, about why they don't feel, don't like the idea of calling something like Proteus a game. Uh, it's a discussion that's been had all over the place. It's quite a heated discussion at times. I'm actually much more relaxed about it now. But but I still I still come back to I I don't get the the point i don't get the objective I, someone has in saying that that we should draw lines in the sand about games and i think it's it, it, roy has made an interesting very interesting point there which is it is absolutely and, and uh, a, a game developer like tale of tales for example they absolutely make museum installations and mm-hmm. and then have turned their hands to making games as well something that they would they would sell to individuals um and I absolutely see what he means about Proteus being something you could see as a museum installation. The fact you can walk around in it in a way that we also interact with other games um, it is what, to me, makes makes me absolutely perfectly happy to call it a game. Yeah. But I do understand why he's reserved in that respect. And I just thought it was an interesting post in terms of that and in terms of uh, well, I, I, his, his sort of recent thoughts on it. I feel like you and me, James, have ended up on this every show where... This conversation. Every show is, we're talking about these games. <laughs> this, yeah, <laughs> this maybe that says something. I don't, I'm not too sure, but I'm on, on the first show we 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 tackled this subject about you know the definition of game yeah. was Dear Esther. I mean, we done yeah, it Beno Letty, which mm-hmm. you know once again another another classic example which <laughs> you can make of what what you want from that game. Um, <laughs> but that game company wants to, yeah, Flower and Journey and stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. but I, I, oh, uh, yeah. Once again, it's it's a huge debate, and um, I I just feel like I'm over over that conversation somewhat. Once as as yeah. when we get more of these these games, I should use it here. As when we get more <laughs> of these experiences that that start populating uh, what we do, um, the hobby that we're involved with, I feel like it becomes a bit of a mute mute discussion purely because the word game. Is a ridiculous. Um, the definition of game is so varied in itself. So even yeah. even the people that you know, there, there's arguments about. Well, our video games that we know it is the word game right for that. And even if they can't, they can't yeah. decide yeah. exactly within the definition of what game actually is. Because some people say, well, it's board game. Some people just say, well, it's it is the definition of play. I will see. We say no, it has to be interactive and. It's it just becomes really actually distracting from what is essentially an experience, and experience comes across as sounding really pretentious. And don't that I, word don't is don't I, don't I, don't yeah. I. Point these people out at me, and I will find people to beat yeah, them but, sticks. But I feel like I've been one of them, and, <laughs> and that it's just soon. taken. Just you know, and, and I think the Proteus actually 
it, it's nice to come to this now after going through two or three different experiences and mm-hmm. actually having that baggage put to one side and just enjoying it for, yeah. for what it is. I, I really feel like we need to get over this. Um, there's so much, so many arguments, and it, it, and it, it distracts from what Proteus is, which yeah. is ex- an experience. So every single thing, you know, be it entertainment or whatever you do, is just experiences in life. And to, to have this huge conversation about is it a game is kind of missing, you know, what you should be looking yeah. from Proteus, which is, you know, what what did it say to you rather than, you know, what yeah, did who, you enjoy who, it? I yeah, mean, the yeah, discussion yeah. can be had about did you enjoy it rather than, you know, is it a right. game? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought it was very interesting. I expected... Um, I think the expectation is that someone who who asserts that a piece of software that we would perhaps call a video game maybe isn't a game, um, it often comes with the notion that that is somehow disparaging towards, in this case, yeah. Proteus. And I think it's interesting. I expected um, Roy42 to be a lot more negative on Proteus because he felt that it didn't do for him what other games do. But actually, just goes to show his post there, actually very complimentary towards what he did take away from Proteus and you're right Tony the important thing is what do we take away from it and and certainly for all of us it's been varying different experiences of discovery and exploration that kind of thing it certainly doesn't matter to me whether there was an objective there I would argue that I made my own objectives but yeah absolutely I think the important thing is uh, is this game and what it has meant to each of us and to everyone else who's played I, I do like. Anyway. I, I, I'd love the idea of a, a drop-down box, you know, the filter box, which is you know, RPG, you know, action adventure, and then just experience. <laughs> experience, <laughs> because all the others don't count as experiences. Unclassified. It makes it hard to recommend something like this to people too, because you kind of like when I'm looking at the Metacritic right now uh, for Proteus, and it's got an 80 score, mm-hmm. which is good. You know, that, that's Very a critic yeah. score. But the user score is 5.9, mostly negative, 21 negative. To be fair, that's pretty high for a user score. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, like, I wouldn't even think there'd be that many reviews of Proteus on here for (laughs) user scores. But but it's because so many people go into it thinking this is a game and I'm going to have objectives and all this stuff. Another thing about it is that a lot of people that uh, are trying to grade this game, um, how exactly do you grade Proteus, you know? If you like going for yeah. a walk, it's a hundred percent. If you don't like going for a walk, <laughs> it's zero. Yeah. I guess yeah, it's just yeah the experience of what you took from from that. I mean, I haven't gone off and, and read any reviews or you know, but it, yeah, yeah no. it's probably interesting to do. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I know Tony, you're absolutely right. Whenever we come across these games, certainly the that game company show, the Dear Esther show, the Tale of Tales show, it ends up. And we always seem to be here, although I wasn't <laughs> under that game company show. It it does seem to come back to us having this conversation, deciding that having the conversation probably isn't worth having, <laughs> which is you know, <laughs> f- more fool us. But <laughs> um, I I tried out the um, the Vita. Well, it, it's a cross buy, so I guess that's part of why the price is what it is on PlayStation Network. But I tried it out on Vita this week and. I think the interesting thing is that when you think of it, it does seem at home on the on the PC or the Mac. It came out on January as well, um, but there's nothing inherently about it that doesn't fit perfectly well on a DualShock Three controller on a big screen or on on the PlayStation. You Vita. to feel you lose a little bit of the kind of. I know when I played it on my on my PC, like the lights were turned down and the screen was right mm-hmm. in my face. I must feel like I was 
viewing within that environment. I th- I feel like the Vita there will be a a slight disconnection between me and holding that device. Well, I've actually got to say something about that. I'm just wondering, James, how did you feel mm. it, that it came across in the Vita as compared to the PC, for example? Obviously, this is couched in the fact that I'd already played through the game um, three or four times on the on the PC. I felt like it was a great place to play this game, be it first time, be it knowing that you know I'd already played it. Um, it looks fantastic as you'd expect on a Vita screen, and and the dual sticks on the Vita do exactly what they should do. Um, I think it's a little bit strange that it's got trophies. Uh, that kind of that really it <laughs> runs almost counter. It's almost feel that so what are the is, is in that, 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 that fascinates me. So strange. Yeah, yeah there, there's they're, a bunch that are hidden, and you don't know what you have to do to get them, or mm-hmm. really sort of cryptically worded. So there's a sense yeah. of kind of having to discover those for yourself as well, which is quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the question, the reason I couched that question just a minute ago, yeah, is yeah. because Flower was recently released on both the Vita and the PS4. Sure, yeah. And the weirdest thing about it to me was, like, I picked up the Vita version, just downloaded mm. it to my Vita, and I wasn't a huge fan of the original PS3 game, but when I played it mm. on Vita, I didn't remember it looking quite so beautiful. There's something yeah. about the way that it kind of came across that screen, and it just looked yeah. absolutely stunning. I mean, it controlled yeah. like shit, yeah. because, uh, you know, obviously they wanted to create something fresh that wasn't that experience, but mm-hmm. both the control systems and the Vita screwed it up. But the main point, I was, as I'm saying, is that it just looks gorgeous on the Vita. And then I recently got a PS4 and I downloaded it on that as well. And I was more impressed with the Vita version than I was with the PS4 yeah. version. It just suited yeah. that system so damn well. Yeah, I can imagine that being the case for, for Proteus as well. Certainly, I was incredibly impressed with how it looked on the on the Vita screen. I haven't tried it on PS3, so I don't know how that looks on a, on a big TV screen. But um, yeah, just the fact that they're very vibrant colours, the Vita screen does that very well as well, so... Yeah, and I'm not sure if, like, the fact that you've got a, a Vita so close to you, you know, you're hunched over and you're peering at the screen, I'm not sure if that's got some kind of subliminal concentration thing behind it or not, because I felt more invested in quite a few Vita games that I've played than games on a bigger TV, just because you're lounging on a couch, um, you're losing mm. about, your legs are crossed, and you've kind of... It's, it's just a more natural environment as opposed to the kind of, like, intensity that you've got while you're trying to, like, stare at this much smaller screen. Or at least in my case, that's the case. Yeah, yeah, I guess that speaks to, to Tony what you were saying in that when you played on PC, you had the screen a bit closer to you and you do get that sort of lean well, forward yeah, rather the, than lean backward type so situation. The disconnect I quite often have with handheld mm. gaming, and, I, and I, I've been in plenty of arguments about this, I, I'm crazy for it, but like to me, Flower would make perfect sense because I can see the Vita representing the wind and me moving around is almost like mm. controlling the wind. That, that, that to me seems an absolute ideal fix and it's a shame that it doesn't necessarily work. But mm. I... Oddly, in um, in Proteus, it's like when I was playing it, it's almost like you're floating through the world. I mean, essentially, you do end up floating out of the world. <laughs> but um, you know, I didn't necessarily feel like I, you know, I felt like I was just there within that environment and wasn't really putting an avatar onto it. Like clearly, if you were a person there, you were an avatar walking through an environment. But it it feels like there's a lot more. I guess because there's no damage if you can jump off cliffs, yeah. like you're kind of just floating through the environment a bit more. It's too it's like a physicality because you can't bounce off trees and you don't really get a momentum boost yeah, when you're up or down hills. I, I guess in the Vita, in my mind, it feels like there there will be a disconnection with the space between me and the smaller screen and the, and the sticks. Just there, it feels almost would feel like there's a an avatar that I'm controlling, moving around the environment. And I don't know why that is, but I get that from many games where I feel yeah, like sure. there's a bigger disconnect yeah. just because I haven't 
you know, in, in the case of how I normally play games, is that you know, big sound system, lights off, you know, and mm. just being completely engrossed. And I, 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 I think maybe I just I don't play enough handheld games where you know I sit right there and, and completely engrossed yeah. with what's going on. But I'll, I never I, I think, the video rolled around. So yeah, yeah, you, you know I, what this should be on. Oculus Rift. I was going to say, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Tony. It sounds like for you, this game needs to be on Oculus Rift as soon as possible because that's going to just cut away all of that and put you right in. Hopefully, in theory, if it works the way it's supposed to, would put you right into that world on the island. So, so um, what the so Curve Studios did the PlayStation Three and and Vita versions. Um, there are a couple of things they did add as well, um, mainly for the Vita, but um, on PlayStation Three. Uh, when you generate the island, so the the time of day and the day of of the year, as it were, um, actually affects the um, the island that's generated. It would take testing that I just don't have at my hands to try and find out, or at my at my fingertips to try and find out that whether or not you could generate islands at the same time as a friend and have the same island to go around. And I don't know whether that actually adds anything to the game in particular but it's interesting that they have done that and the reason they did that is because they couldn't do what uh, was added into the um, the Vita version which is where you are, your physical location determined I guess either by the 3G or, or if you're on a Wi-Fi network the, the location of that um, your, so your actual physical location affects the procedurally generated world on the Vita version Um now again, I guess the aim of that is to try and have the island reflect where you currently are. I didn't notice anything that was working like yeah. that, but when I generate an island at my house, it tends to have a rather large hill in the middle of it, and that I've done two or three times on the Vita has always been the case. Whereas when I generated an island at work, it looked different so there did seem to be something there but I couldn't tell how much that differentiated itself from just the usual random generation Um, and the other thing um, if you touch the screen on the front you get a circle of the sort of white particles comes up around your finger and then closes to a point and as you move your finger around the screen you can trigger different sounds Um, so there's a different way to interact and if you sit down and touch the back screen on the Vita um, you can change uh, the you can change the, the the sort of filter goes over the top of the the way it looks and makes it look like a film negative to greater or lesser degrees. So you can change like I, I don't know enough about photography to <laughs> to understand exactly what they're doing there, but it changes sort of the hues and the tones and the way the world looks a little bit. Um, so just other ways of changing what that experience is, which were quite interesting, I thought. Just once again, it just it feels like more like there's an avatar there if I can touch things on the screen rather than just sure. of drifting. It's, Absolutely, it's it, it could well add to that. And it wasn't something that I thought, wow, I'm going to play with this lot. It was more a novelty thing of let's see what this actually does. And then once I'd done it, I didn't feel the urge to sit down and go and How do try animals react if you tap them in the face? Yeah, I just think that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's, there's nothing as direct as that. It seems to all be kind yeah. of... I was wondering if I could make the musical tune and More. then like, jump away, you know? <laughs> Not as far as I tried, but I didn't try it. Um, maybe. <laughs> Darren, <laughs> Darren, go forth and discover for yourself, <laughs> I guess. Um, 
So, which which brings us to secrets of the game. We've touched on a few of them. I thought it was worth listing some of the ones I found to see if you guys came across any of the others. We've talked about teleporting between the towers. So, if you walk into one of the walls, the screen turns black and then uh, comes back and you are at another tower somewhere else on the island. Um, we've also talked about, I mentioned the fact that the, the first and the last stone circles, so the, the last stone circle, the winter one, um, it's not possible to let the day-night cycle run out on that one. Going to the stone circle simply causes you to ascend slightly quicker, um, but if you let the day-night cycle run out when the sun starts rising again, you will again ascend, so that kind of is that's a forced ending. You, you don't have to trigger that I one. I didn't um, actually know that was an ending. Like, I mean, I knew it was like uh, Ascendum was an ending, but I never yeah, knew yeah. that there was actually a, a circle to make you ascend. For me, the first time that I seen mm. this ending, I started uh, wondering what the hell was going on with the, yeah. the, the, yeah. like the depth perception, the elevation. Like, you know? like you dropped through the world or something, yeah, sure. Yeah. Just the in the opposite direction, you know? And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Because I was like going through the clouds, yeah. and then I noticed that like when I came across up a mountain, I was like slightly above the clouds, and I was like, what the hell happened there? <laughs> And then I went back down a bit, and since it was like thick, uh, thick clouds, I couldn't see what was happening with my feet and uh, like the ground below me. And when I went back mm. up, I was even higher. I was like, Jesus, this is crazy, you know? And then uh, obviously I figured it out shortly after that, you know, that it was meant to be happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and again, the the fact that there's this... Unceremonious would be the harsh way of putting it, but... Um real sort of defined point at which you've ascended far enough and then that's it back to the menu done and and it does it has that moment almost like in some games where they just a cutscene stops and you don't realize that you've got control of the character whereas in this case it's it's kind of the inverse of that where you kind of expected there maybe to be something more there but no game ends and it's up to you to then try and it doesn't retroactively just, think about what it meant. It doesn't quite just end like that because you actually see Arcata's eyes closing. And every That's time that yeah. his eyes are closing, I'm like, no! <laughs> I don't know. It's, it, there just seems to be yeah. something very final about it. So I'm just like, stay awake, man. You know, it's not what dying for. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the stone circles, if you go into them but do not trigger the particle go into the particle circle in the middle you can speed up the day night cycle so if you particularly want to get back to the night to explore a bit more or the the day then you can do that um one one of the first things i did in terms of just trying to figure out what i could do in this world was uh head off the island into the sea and just keep going um (laughs) Uh, to try and get out to where I started and quickly realised that A, that's quite difficult to do to work out which side of the island exactly you started on um, and and B, it's pretty difficult to judge how far you need to go because you can just keep going Yeah, uh, and the thing it, is I like walked out for five minutes and then I was like, okay, yeah. okay that's enough now I've got to walk five minutes back and, and hope that you walk in a straight enough line that you make it back to the island, I suppose, because mm. it's perfectly feasible to walk <laughs> off in a different direction and never find the island again. <laughs> um, so there's a couple of Lost others. Lost at sea. <laughs> After you beat the game for the first time, there are three extra menu options appear, um, which you can, I think, access before you start the game, and then during the game there is a menu screen, although it's hard to find. Um there's one you can turn on so that it either always, sometimes, or never uh, generates a wilder island. Um, so just, I guess, there's more plant life, more animals there, maybe a slightly more um, inhospitable terrain type thing. Um, 
you can change the day length. It's standard is 15 minutes, but you can push it up as high as 30 minutes in five minute increments, I think. Um, and you can also hide the particle effect on the stone circle so that you don't get a clue as to where it is. Because uh, obviously on the second time through the game, when you get to the night cycle, I think most people realise you go straight up a mountain and <laughs> Look, um, yeah. and you can see where you need to go. You don't need to hunt around for it terribly. Uh, so that can be turned off. Um, uh, did any of you find either a sparkly fox or possibly a wolf or a man who leads you in a certain direction? That's I know that sounds very vague, but... <laughs> I did not. No, no. No, okay. Um, I I haven't either, but apparently in the game I have seen pictures that do in fact prove that they are there. Um, so the the fox on the island, one of the landmarks you can have is is a big tree surrounded by I think four or five smaller trees, um, and apparently it is a very distinctive tree. I searched around on an island today and couldn't find it, but um, apparently when you get to night time, it may be only be in particular seasons. Uh, around that tree, on on the smaller trees around, will be a, a sort of white or or uh, white fox or wolf that sort of sneaks around and sticks its head around the trees to sort of look at you apparently it's there <laughs> these are the these are the things that no matter how much time you spend playing this game you may never see but a bit like the owl you kind of just stumble across things sometimes. yeah i come across yeah and other things like you know sometimes through one of my playthroughs i saw bats and yep, they yeah absolutely they weren't there yeah. all the time no um no, yeah. so yeah i mean quite often you'll you'll come across individual elements which you know the second or third playthrough you you won't come across mainly because maybe you just weren't in the right, right part of the island and yeah, you know, yeah it's time of day and you know um season so yeah 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 no absolutely um the other thing is so the the totems if you go into them at night time the stars sort of throb and grow very bright like they're almost exploding um really strange effect to behold uh quite quite unnerving I found when I first spotted it happening it, it really plays with the senses and disorients you a bit I think um, and uh, and the graveyard apparently um, and the cabin as well there are particle effects that going on there that might be a bit different to elsewhere on the island and at some points I think from the graveyard you can see a man who is walking with a trail of particles following him and you can follow him to the stone circle Apparently, I've never seen it, but these things exist in the game, so I, so I, so I gather. Um, the other thing that probably not many people know is in the game is a save system. I figure postcards were just handy screenshots of a game that I would love to have some screenshots of, but the postcard system is a save system, which... Uh, did any of you guys feel the, the need to, to save the game? <laughs> No, well, no, I've, really I've, no. I've taken some postcards, but I had, had no yeah, idea yeah. that I could. Uh, I mean, it, we, we had a conversation about this earlier before yeah, we came yeah. on the show, and I mean, you brought up a very good point. Of, well, if there's a, a particular island that you loved, having yeah. the chance to actually go back there, just just the layout. I mean, it'd been interesting that one with the huge mountain on. Hmm. Um, it would have been interesting for me to to take a picture there and snapshot, save it, and then yeah. you know, go, hey, yeah, this is this is. The play. And it's a shame it's not a code that you can share with everybody, um, in kind of Minecraft yeah. way, uh, so everyone got to to experience it as well. But um, no, no well, idea. Apparently, it kind of is because what it does is effectively take a screenshot of the game and it puts it's a it's a color code along the bottom of the picture. And so, in theory, if you send that picture to someone else, it would be like a save file. They could put it into their 
Proteus save file, save file yeah. folder and they could load that up. Because uh, some people had said that they'd taken that file as though it were a picture and cropped it and actually lost the save data off it because they'd removed the the couple of rows or whatever that had that's the color clever. coding on. So yeah, yeah. That's but quite old it's yeah, a really interesting way of doing it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I thought so. Um, so yeah, these are things that some of them I would never have known, but for happening to read some stuff about it where people had said they'd had these weird and wonderful things happen in the game. So. Before we get to the close, um, mm. a, a question which we we haven't discussed and look at the notes, it, it doesn't look like it's going to come up and, and maybe it's mm. just one of those um, ambiguous questions which you know nobody <laughs> needs to answer. But it's it's odd that, you know, I feel like whenever we've, we've tackled these types of games before, we've, we've gone quite heavy for the you know looking for the meaning of what these games are even if there is no meaning there yeah. and discussed yeah. our feelings about you know what they brought um which we haven't really done on this other than saying there's a few spiritual elements um i mean is there any anything that any boy well, any one particular thing that really you you feel is is prominent from each individual person um a time of day or a specific place or even just the overarching what you you think the meaning of the game is is it a spiritual thing once again i mean ascending at the very end would have a, a, a certainly a definition of of something like that yeah, yeah well i mean think of, if you think about it the guy hasn't eaten in the year that he's been on that island <laughs> <laughs> so he's about to light up my land very true should have <laughs> that bunny or frog <laughs> <laughs> but no, no well, that's it, assuming if you're a person at all like i don't it's kind of hard to tell what, yeah. what exactly you are that's wandering through this world especially with how it ends with the ascension thing like it's i felt like it was more like you were a ethereal being that's going around a, a spirit or something yeah, yeah perhaps yeah. Yeah. you got a biological yeah. experiment <laughs> yeah. there's also the name too like somebody smarter than me helped me out here but proteus is kind of like that's a very deliberate name for this uh for this game entirely because it's it's all about being like the first right like the isn't that kind of what Proteus yeah, is? Yeah, the, the prototypical, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. Um, Primordial. Yeah, so, so Proteus is, is... Greek mythology is a, is a god of either sea or possibly water or rivers, I guess, is what I read about it. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely got tones of perhaps being... Uh, godly or godlike um, with obviously the relationship to the sea that's why this is an island in the sea perhaps I guess maybe you're supposed to be Proteus maybe this is your home in the middle of the sea and you are ascending to some other plane of existence but yeah I think I think it's <coughs> sun, it uh, is holiday camp <laughs> <laughs> but actually I mean I mean, so so open ended. I, I feel like stuff like Journey, like I had quite a strong kind of opinion of what that said to me, and same as Flower mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know. It's almost like you know, you, you talking about Proteus almost being the first. It <laughs> just listen to that. I'm putting stuff straight onto which you know, I haven't really thought through. But almost like um, you know, if you are the first, like almost somebody saying you know, a godlike being saying, well, you know. 
this this is the template of of what we want like the, these are the animals that we're going to populate the the world with and these are the seasons which right. you know you can, can you give us the you know the, almost the go ahead on you know is this okay you know, like do you like autumn autumn the leaves come off and then winter snow try the snow is some rain <laughs> just seeing it like that is almost kind of interesting but yeah there, there wasn't anything particularly strong that I, I came away from other than you know really having a big smile on the face and enjoying just my time and the place there but certainly at the, the spiritual stuff i felt like there there was some kind of leaning on that and i was wondering whether any of you guys took it to a, a, a you know a whole different level and actually you know investigated if there is there is any uh you know what I'm narrative to be found what i'm wondering personally is if david kanaga and ed key are going to be listening to this later on and <laughs> uh shaking their heads and wondering what the hell we're on about <laughs> 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 quite possibly um yeah, I, th- I think the the interesting thing for me is that with Dear Esther, I went in very deep on trying to work out what all mm. of the, the hidden information in there was about and trying to piece it together. And it's still very open to interpretation, absolutely. Um, and, and likewise, I think Journey is... It's probably easier to work out what the overarching themes of, of something like Journey are, or Flower in particular as well. Revenge. Um, <laughs> with, with this game, I, I feel... Like I haven't tried to nail down what the meaning of the game is because I feel like to me it could mean something vastly different from when I play it one time to the next. It could be a, a metaphor for something very different, um, even though obviously the the timeline through the game is going to be much the same in terms of what happens when. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I've never really thought too much about it. I've always treated it as just this this. Uh, game for exploration, you know, uh, and discovery, and um, taken away from it each time, maybe something slightly different. Mm. So yeah. I've never really tried to to pin down, even if it's just what it means to me, but wouldn't be for someone else. Um, for me, it, it never really felt particularly spiritual or anything like that. Um, since it was sold to me as a game that would be about exploration, going for a walk in uh, this countryside, that's really what I felt it was about. I just felt that it was about experiencing this sort of environment that is both familiar and yet completely alien at the same time. It's just a mm. sense of being somewhere new and taking a look around, seeing what there is, um, interacting with it in the most basic way possible is an allowing it to flow into you, you know, experiencing it rather than interacting with it. And uh, so quite a lot of the spiritual side stuff that you guys are talking about never really occurred to me, you know. I mean, mm. there is obviously the the great showstopper at the end when you float it in the sky. That's yeah. not normally what happens when you explore a new environment. But apart That's from true. that... Yeah. <laughs> uh, quite it's quite dreamlike, though, isn't it? It's, you know, you could put, put the, you know, waking up from, you know, closing your eyes almost as a, a, a case of, you know, you actually opening your eyes and, and waking up again. You, know, you could yeah. just be in this kind of dreamlike, yeah, know, soft, true. lovely world. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, it's like, as I said, you know, anytime you exit the game, if you exit the game, you close your eyes... When you finish the game, you close your eyes, you know. So it's yeah. you're kind of leaving that behind, just uh, shutting yourself off to it, and then you're reawakening either in the real world because you're playing the game, or starting it again and just experiencing a new world from the start. Yeah, so my, ne- my my next question was: um, Do you have a favorite uh, favorite season? I've always been a fan of winter in games. And this one I'm not entirely sure because I think spring is really nicely done as well. You know, it's it's mm. nice and the the colours in this uh, in spring, you know, they're like really 
they're vibrant and they're thick, you know, they they don't have a lot of fine detail or uh, gradients kind of edging them out and smoothing them. They're really very visible, very in your face. And uh, I really appreciated that. And as I said, I'm a kind of winter fanboy in games. And uh, just feeling that kind of chill coming down, as I said, as night descends. I think those two seasons for me kind of exemplify the game the most and what I wanted from it. Yeah. Sean, how about you? Any particular of the seasons that really stood out? Uh, well, for me, I'd probably say the summer was my favorite, just mostly because of the music, actually. I think, isn't that the only mm. season where there's actually kind of like a steady beat between the, for, for uh, the music on there? Yeah, I think you're great, yeah. Um, yeah, and just, I mean, it was, which is weird because, like, for me personally, summer is my least favorite season. <laughs> I, can't, I can't stand, uh, heat or anything like that so yeah. uh but i just i all the visuals and the music combined like perfectly right there for me in summer so probably yeah. that one yeah and i kind of have the same reaction to autumn which is kind of funny just the the yeah, yeah the, the musical change you know you're coming off from from the you know the, the happy glow of summer and you know it's not quite as uh you know the deep darkness of the winter you got the autumn there it's just there's a you know, beautiful transition between the two and uh, like i said that there is a different from a both um, visual tonal point, but uh, um, you know, from the music standpoint, or you know, the, the sounds that you see are very different from from the rest of the game as well. So, I mean, that's something mm. I, I feel like you know, obviously, we could talk about this game apparently for about another two hours if we wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. No, I'm I'm right with you, Tony. Um, I think summer felt like a natural progression from spring. It felt like it was slightly more mm. colourful, brighter. Um, I love the effect of when you look up at the sun and you see how blazing it is. Um, it starts to sort of white out and fade out, like you know when you look at the sun in summer, your eyes would naturally close. Um, uh, so I, I liked the fact that they had that natural progression, but something about autumn just being this massive change in terms of the colours and and rain in spring or, and summer, as you said, Tony, previously feels refreshing. It feels light, and in autumn it feels heavy, and the mm. sound of it is just that bit more powerful. Um, and it, it does have that sort of great autumnal feeling to it that that just makes the season of all of them just stand out the most to me. It, it, the you know the colours change, the music changes. I, I mentioned earlier, you know, imagine if you started the game as as winter and then you progress to spring. That you, the the change between those two would be. I mean, you can do it clearly by just you know loading up the yeah, game straight away. Yeah. But yeah, you, you've ascended at that point. But the, the change of the colours would be so dramatic. It, it, yeah. 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 Yeah, really pop yeah, out. Definitely. Yeah, I forget the progression isn't there, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think the one that probably had the most impact on me is is winter because I think it's the one that I felt. Uh, I think Darren used the word thick, and that's as a color term, and I, I agree. Like the, there's just something that's so dense and thick about being in that environment, but it wasn't the most mm. pleasurable one, so I'd fall on autumn. Yeah. Okay, before we hit our own summaries, uh, we've got one more uh, comment from the forum that I thought was a nice wrap-up to, um, to to what we've we've talked about. Um, Tony, would you care to do the honours, please? Uh, this is by Cass. Proteus is lovely, calm in experience, and completely unlike anything else I've ever played. It's a walk through a fantastical park. There's not much more to say about it, really, because there's not much more to it. If falling into Wonderland and having a wander about ever appeal to you, this is the game to do it. You won't do anything per se, but you will see and experience an awful lot uh, as you let yourself get lost in its world. The problem with Proteus has always been its price. 
gorgeous and unique as the game is, it's still shallow. After 20 minutes, you, you've more or less seen everything Proteus has to offer. So unless you're absolutely in love with its soothing aesthetic, there's not really anything left to be gained from it. Once the novelty has worn off, you might be forgiven for feeling gypped after spending full, the full retail price. Pick it up cheap if you can and experience it. Just don't go pay full, don't go and play the full price for it and don't expect anything like an actual game. If you've already owned it by accident in a humble in a humble bundle etc, you should definitely play it. You can install it and be done with it in half an hour. It will be a good half an hour, but that's all it will take. Yeah, I mean it, some interesting comments there. I mean I don't entirely agree, but yeah, it's certainly one's experience is one's experience so yeah, yeah. Um, the curious thing like, about you know, for me though is because like he's saying that it's over and done in half an hour but I felt there were times when I f- felt really not compelled you know I just wanted to load up the game again and just go for a wander you know it really is it's kind of tried to say this you know but like the portal to mm. another world kind of thing mm. you can easily go into this experience and yeah. just any time you feel like it go for a wander in this world you know, you could easily go out the door in real life, but it yeah. wouldn't be the same experience. And no, yeah, I could absolutely see someone who maybe has a desk job just having that on the computer in every lunchtime, firing up just to get you know away. Basically, yeah. yeah, I could I could see it being something that even if it's just wander around for five minutes and quit, you know, yeah, it's, um, it's yeah, a virtual vacation even for like very short periods of yeah, time. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, once again, the the monetary value comes up in in that and. I, it's it's so hard. I mean, we're not on the show here to to say because most of us probably haven't paid full price for it. Um, yeah. it. It probably will be in a sale, but um, it's a difficult one to to bridge um, without opening a whole different conversation up. Um, I mean, it, I, it's it is to the person. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It, it, everyone's got to judge that for themselves. Um, mm. Cast did actually mention, and I took it out because I wasn't sure exactly on the accuracy of it but um cast did say that uh, it ranged from 15 pounds down to seven pounds now i got it i, th- I think it, it was the very day if not the day after it came out and it was seven pounds on steam so uh 15 pounds may well be you know the the original uh psn price or it may have been available at that price there, um, there was also on, a on pc well, it was in development there was also a pre-order price that was uh lower possibly yeah give you a discount for buying it early Right, but yeah. um, I mean, the, 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 these are a sticking point. I, I think if you know if this had yeah. just hit, say, the PlayStation Network, and it was just a free experience for people to 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 mess around in, you'd you'd even go, yeah, I understand that. Um, you know, the, just so so you could talk about the game, and at, at times, you know, these games do feel like you know they they could you know if they were on a different platform, say you know something like the iOS, that they probably would be you know just these free i mean almost like um darren said about the you know it being an indie title where somebody just made it and they they want to share it because you know they've, they've made this really cool experience the real thing um, is you've just given me this idea of it being a freemium game where you can buy hats uh, <laughs> buy the stone circle <laughs> buy hats that you can't see <laughs> um, um so I mean, it, it does well, i guess what i'm trying to say it does have a, a yeah. big impact on your experience of the game i guess Definitely. if you've Absolutely. paid 15 pounds and you, you you feel like you know you're 40 minutes with the game. It was a half an hour and done. Yeah, yeah that, I mean that that clearly has you know an emotion with inside you know anybody and, and oh, yeah, know, yeah, make yeah. it from that. But I I guess we're not really here to to talk about that. So no, absolutely. The the value of something like 
your expectations for it can have so much of an effect and it's certainly worth saying that be it in a humble bundle or be it in various sales on PSN or Steam there are going to be ways to pick Proteus up pretty cheaply um, so if it's something that you're not sure about yeah absolutely as, as always make, make a judgement yourself on what, what something costs all right, before the last thing before we actually get to our summaries, uh, three word reviews. So, Darren, if you could start us off, please. Roy42 says interactive art gallery. Todinho says peaceful walk simulator. And Mr. Ed Key himself says synesthetic peregrination generator. Absolutely. And. <laughs> Um, so I just wanted to say, obviously, thank you very much to our forum, forum commenters and to uh, those who gave us three-word reviews. Roy42 in both camps there, so double thanks. Um, so finally, to wrap up, uh, Darren, you were the first of us to play Proteus. Uh, may you be the first of us to let us know how you feel about it in its entirety. Unlike most arty games, I really came away from Proteus quite fulfilled by the experience and I'd really enjoyed myself. Naysayers might argue that there's no great deal to do in the game other than ambling around looking at pretty digital things, but um, despite the lack of clear goals that you can work towards, it just, it's an experience and that experience wraps itself up and during that time it's just, soaking it all in is just a very pleasurable experience. It's kind the thing is, I mean, it's just, it feels kind of like the seed of an idea that could evolve in a lot of different ways if the creators wanted to. Like, there was times when I was wondering what it would be like if you could have, like, multiplayer and just interact in really basic ways or even start capturing animals and then show your collection to your friends, you know? Like a big sack full of animals. Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, basically, you know? But the thing is, just as a really non-interactive tour around an island that has just been built in this really retro way, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely worth playing, in my opinion. Um, but the thing is, it is one of those games where you can't recommend it wholeheartedly because it's so vastly different to pretty much anything on the market. You've kind of got to go with your gut feeling as to whether this game would be worth it for you because all you are doing is wandering about this retro-themed wonderland and experiencing everything that it has to offer, playing about with the music, chasing rabbits but never actually interacting with them in any kind of physical way. For a lot of people, that might not be something that they want to do, but if it, the idea addresses you, I would definitely recommend checking Proteus out. You don't have to pay it at full price, get it for whatever you feel it's worth to you, and even if you don't like it, you can come away from it, uh, at least in the secure knowledge that you've probably never played anything quite like this game before. Also, I loved it. <laughs> also, you loved it. Excellent, thank you. Um, for me, I, I like I like and I, actually I adore Proteus for many of the same reasons that something like Dear Esther or The Path by Tale of Tales uh, spoke to me. But but not because I think they're inherently similar games. It's because it made me feel. It made me experience some very complex feelings, um, and and in Proteus, the reason that that happened is um, at the beginning of the game, your your senses are kind of um, just 
not overpowered by any stretch, but they're they're just firing with uh, very vibrant colours. Um, as Darren said, it's quite a, a, a retro-styled, quite very pixelated-looking world, but with really vibrant colours, and you've got this ambient electronic music by David Kanega in the background that's just constantly inviting you to try and find out how much effect you're really having on the music. Um and as you you chase um, the the bunny frogs around and and you spot you know a, a swarm of dragonflies and go over to try and interact with them, um, it just invites you to really want to immerse yourself and and run around this island despite the fact that there is only one rather slow walk speed available. It does feel like you just want to sort of gamble from you know part of the island to part of the island just discovering what's going to be there what you can do and trying to work out what all of it together as a whole is is evoking in you it's not necessarily what it represents even for me it's just the feelings that it made me have and you know playing it again recently on on um, playstation vita it was exactly the same all over again because the procedurally generated content gave me enough of that uncertainty of what I was going to find over the next hill, or if I followed the same path I followed last time, would it lead somewhere different this time? Um, it just gave a, a real sense of wonderment, and, and it is that youthful um, joy at just being, you know, walking around somewhere unfamiliar and discovering it, but with that safety blanket around you that you're not in a game where you're going to be attacked by an animal or, or die, you know, out of the blue unexpectedly when you don't really feel like you did anything wrong or to deserve it, so to speak. It's a very safe environment and it's just a really stimulating environment to be in for me. And I, I really loved uncovering all the little secrets that I had to hold. Um, so yeah, that that's, uh, that's how I felt about it. And, if it sounds interesting, then yeah, I I can't but recommend that you go on and try Proteus. I think it's eminently worthwhile and eminently worth your time. Uh, Sean, how mm. about yourself? Well, let's see. So earlier, I kind of mentioned that I compared it to Bethesda games, and and yeah, uh, for me, like my favorite part about Bethesda games, like Fallout or or Skyrim or whatever, is that is not the fighting or the combat or the characters or the story. It's being able to like look at around a cliff and find something new and see that and say, okay, I'm going to go there and check that out. And that's that whole idea of discovery is what really appealed to me about Proteus. And I think that also has something to do with that I I don't do that in real life. <laughs> like I'm <laughs> like I'm like a total like I said earlier, I'm a city boy. I don't I don't. I don't understand why people go hiking. <laughs> like there, there, there are bears out there, and the bears are going to kill you. <laughs> Here, there's a whole lot of bears, and um, but but I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something doesn't appeal to me uh, in real life, but it does appeal to me to, to try and find something new um, in a fake world. And uh, so hard to recommend something like that to hmm. random people. But I feel like if you've listened to this episode this far, like you already know whether or not this is going to appeal to you in one way or another. And I would recommend if it does appeal to you to definitely pay whatever you think is worth it to check out this really pretty and gorgeous sounding uh, game, which I do think it's a game. So it's a damn game. 
and you should play it <laughs> <laughs> if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, as it happens, I think we have actually gone through summaries in the order which we all played the game. So, Tony, <laughs> most most recently to come to Proteus. What what I will say is that um, you know now this is a, a number of games which we played like this. I think this is the most approachable of all those games I've played. Um, it, it's it's a beautiful place to be um, for starts, and I you know you can project whatever you want onto what the game is trying to say. Or you can just say you know it's a it's a season simulator, and it does a great job of that. I love I love the way that it combines um, elements and music with the environment, um, and I you know visually it's just a, a treat. There's not too many other games like it out there, um, and I I just love games which are so ambiguous. You know, it just just like um, Sean was saying that the, I could go for a walk and and do something like there's no no pressure. I guess there is a time pressure with the the day night cycle, but just you know just I can I can put myself onto an environment and enjoy it. Um, you know, just listening to us talking about it, I've co- I've come up with a whole bunch of explanations of what this could be. Um, <laughs> you know, just just one just popped into my head just playing it the other day is that maybe you know this is the person that has died. Uh, you know, they're they're there from the sea. You're going to come to the land and you're going to experience what <laughs> the best the earth had for a while. I don't know. Just go for the go for the seasons again before you know having your then just drifting off and that being done. Just enjoy those you know, beautiful moments of you know, the animals and wildlife and and stuff so like that. Just so you're saying that you play as a crab. Maybe, yeah, awesome. maybe Darren. But you know, it just—I love games where I can just project my own image and thoughts onto to what I'm doing, and it, it does that superbly well. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's probably the most approachable out of all those games we we've talked about and played. Um, purely because if you don't want to to project yourself in, it's just a, a really bright and colourful and an interesting place to actually to be, and the seasons move through wonderfully. So. Um, I I recommend it. I you know whether it's worth fifteen pound will be up to the individual. And in some respects, if you haven't already uh, brought it, I, I kind of feel like we've spoiled elements of the game. I mean, yeah, you're still you'll still enjoy it, but you won't have that magical first time experience where you're like, well, what's this and what's this and what's this? Because uh, yeah, we've we've spoiled it for you. But hey, <laughs> no, no, we've talked about not spoiled it. We've talked about th- those elements. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I recommend it. It's um, I wasn't too sure what to expect from it. Um, a little apprehensive, but I, I finally feel like you know I'm getting over my it doesn't need to be a game to be a game uh, attitude, which I, I think is a healthy thing. So I like it. Well, it's another positive podcast. I, I know sometimes it's nice to have contrasting opinions and get into the nitty gritty of why those opinions differ. Hopefully, we've illuminated a little bit of the different reasons why we all seem to to enjoy and, and take something away from our experiences with Proteus. Um, and hopefully if you're listening to this, you took something away too. Uh, just before we sat down to record this episode, I uh, actually spoke to Ed Key, designer of the game, about his and David Kanega's uh, work beforehand to get, to get Proteus made and uh, a little bit of what life's been like since Proteus, how they felt about moving over onto the PlayStation um, 3 and Vita um, and a little bit about what the impact it's had on on them since, since release. Uh, that is going to be a separate interview episode 
uh, on the podcast feed. Um, please go to our blog to find that um, or find it on your podcast feed and, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. This has been issue 107 on Proteus. I have been James Carter. My heartfelt thanks to Tony Atkins, Sean O'Brien and Darren Foreman. You can join us next time. We will be discussing all things Mark of the Ninja. Thank you very much. Farewell.